Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. Thank you that we are able to witness how the tangible reality of blessing occurs. It doesn't happen by the mix of the lot or by uh, just the luck of the draw. It happens because there's men and women called husbands and wives that become fathers and mothers that pursue the instruction of your word. In fact, there were actual parents this morning who had other priorities. They were going to go on a family vacation, and they said, this is more important. There were actually people that had other plans and says, we rather have the blessing of God upon our children than to go pursue our refreshing and entertainment. So we pray that you open your word to us this morning and speak to us out of your word. What is this regard about dedicating our children to the Lord? What is this regard about presenting them to be blessed by our God? What is this book, this ancient book of wisdom called the Bible and the information that is in there that causes us to increase and to be blessed, to multiply, to be fruitful, to fill the earth, to take dominion? And subdue all things. You have made your people more than overcomers. You have made them champions for the glory of their God. So Father, use your word this morning to give us insight and wisdom on how to raise up world changers in a land that's full of degenerate depravity and sin. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I continue to come across... Many men and women who have to, their countenance, their face is turned downward in defeat and shame because their children have become their sorrow. Their children have become their shame. Children were not created for the shame of their parents. Children were created for the glory of the Lord. And so the Bible is full of instruction in this regard. We talked about Numbers 6, 20 through, 22 through 27. The Bible says, you shall speak a blessing over your children and say to them, verse 24, Numbers 6, 24, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you and the Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on these children and I will bless them. So God intended that the fruit of the womb would be blessed from its very inception. A lot of people call it fetal tissue. They're not children. My Bible says something all the different. My Bible says in Luke 1:41 that as Mary came to visit Elizabeth, the child was so full of joy when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby inside the womb, it doesn't say fetal tissue. 
It says that the product and the fruit of the womb leaped with joy and was filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. So we have to understand, and I tell women all over the world, what seed are you allowing to be planted in your womb? Make sure it's godly seed. Make sure it's a man who fears the Lord. If you're able to choose the father of your children, make sure he's a man of God, a man of the word of God, a man who loves Jesus and serves Jesus and follows Jesus so that your children would have a godly example at the home. You decide that. That doesn't happen by accident. A lot of people want to terminate pregnancy in the womb. They want to kill that which is the fruit of life in the womb. And so God says, choose life that you might live and your children after you. There are so many people that are walking a death style, an unfruitful relationship. As we see the womb, a special place, Galatians 1.15 says that Paul the great apostle said, when it pleased God to separate me from my mother's womb, he understood that from the time he was in his mother's womb, God called, made a calling upon that man from his mother's womb. He was separated because of the grace, the goodness, the mercy of God. So we know that God is attentive to the fruit of the womb. He decides to make that godly seed produce fruit for the glory of God. It happens at a young age. In Jeremiah 1.4, Jeremiah says, before I was formed in the womb, God knew me. Isn't that powerful? Jeremiah 1.4 and 5, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. What's that mean? It's not fetal tissue. It's the purpose and the glory of God. Before you were born, I set you apart. I ordained you as a prophet to the nation, a messenger to your generation. That's what our children are. From a young age, my boys were one, two, and three. I was coming home late at night, and the Lord says, stop and look into their room. Well, all three of them shared one room. They were small enough. Two of them slept in bunk beds. Brandon slept on the top. He was lighter than Joshua. Joshua slept on the bottom. We were concerned he would fall and, and, and smash Brandon. So we put Joshua on the bottom, Brandon on the top, and then Nick over to the side in a little bed. And the Lord told me, look in there. And I looked into the room, and God says, these are my prophets. Respect them. What does it mean, respect? It means do not cause them to grow bitter do not allow your life to frustrate them we're going to see this in a second but from a young age the lord separated my children and today they are the youth pastors to this church they they shepherd over 200 together about 100 at the living stones which is the university group and another 100 over at the 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 youth group on friday nights the light of life they're, they're pastoring these young boys and girls, not with some theological doctrine, but their life. 
their example, their conduct, their conversation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. So in the company of wise, God-fearing people, your children would raise up to be champions. Don't be deceived. You cannot put your children around bad company and accept them, expect them to have good character. It was a witness for the people of God to, that the servants of God would be examples to the rest. Whenever God raised up a man of God, he would establish his testimony based upon the children in his life. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Samuel introduces himself to Israel saying, I'm the prophet God has given me, uh, given you. Indeed, I've heard your voice in all that you've said to me and made a king over you. Verse 2, now here is the king walking before you and I'm old and gray-headed. Look, my sons are with you. What was he saying? I am vetted. I am qualified to speak into your life because I've been able to lead my children. If you're not able to lead your children, the Bible says you should not be leading the house of God. If your children are not an example of what you can produce in your leadership, why are you expecting other families to come along your side? So in Israel, the children were the instrumentalities of putting forth the work of God in the land. I want to make sure that, that you see what God expects from a godly man. In Psalm 127, verse 1, it says, um, verse 3, I'm sorry, Psalm 127, verse 3, children are a reward from the Lord. Verse 3, children are the byproduct of God's favor in a house, the fruit of a womb is God's recompense. Isn't it powerful that God would even give us children? We're not supposed to allow them to go astray. Verse 4 says, These children born in a house are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children that one birth in your youth. What are they? They are things that you could hit the bull's eye with. They're not to be stray arrows going astray. They're not to be missing the target, missing the goal, missing the purpose. They're supposed to fly right at the bull's eye like an arrow in a hand, not of a wimp and a coward, but of a warrior. The Bible says in verse 5 that these Born in our womb that are a reward, that are arrows, um, they're blessed in our lives. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. We say that the quota here at Spring of Life is a minimum of four children. I have four, Kenny has four, Javier has four, Jules has four, everybody's going for four. You could have more. I think Renee and Rosie went for five. Richard Lopez is on six. Five. But there shall, they, look at the, 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 the powerful thing about being arrows in the hand of the warriors is that these children can speak with the adversaries in the marketplace. 
Our children are not wimpy children. They are leaders in the generation. Why? Because they can speak words of eloquence and reason for the way they live. We don't have illiterate, foolish, wayward children. We have children that know the course of life and are hitting the bullseye and not coming up with excuses. They're not full of depression. They're not full of uncertainty and lack of confidence. But they know their God. Uh, I love the verse in Daniel chapter 32, verse 11. He says that those who know their God, chapter 11, verse 32. The Bible says those who know their God, the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Isn't it important for us to be able to teach our children that we serve a mighty God? That they could see the testimonies of the Lord at the house with dad and mom, provision, finances, faithfulness in ministry and service to their God. Children will serve the God of their fathers. That's why we decided a long time ago not to make money our God. We talk more about God than we do money in my household. We talk about the faithfulness of God to provide all things. It's not Santa Claus. It's a faithful God. I have verses here that will show you. Uh, let's go to them real quickly in Psalm 78. This is an instruction that God gives every family of the earth. Uh, verse 1. Listen, my people. Get open your ears to my law, to my instruction. Make your ears inclined towards the words of my mouth. Verse 2, I will open my mouth with a parable and with a mystery of ancient times. You don't want to try and find out what's the latest and the newest. You want to find out what's been around for a long time. Verse 3, things that have lasted, which we have heard and known. It's a travesty to have a parent that doesn't tell you what he has seen and heard. The legacy and the inheritance of God's people is that the fathers tell their children wisdom that's ancient and old and reliable. While everybody else is running around in different directions, we are hitting the bullseye, telling our children the wise sayings of ancient times. The greatest gift a father could give his children is to read to them the book of Proverbs. It's going to save you a lot of heartache in the old age when your children will grow old. If they don't have wisdom, all the money all the stature, all the prominence you have will be flushed down the toilet because you will have foolish children on the land. Verse 4, he says like this, these things our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from our children. It's criminal not to tell your children what your past was without God and what your future and presence is because of God. 
Don't hide them from your children. Tell them your testimonies. Telling the generation to come the great things God has done, how wonderfully strong he is, how wonderful he is in his works that he has done. Testify to your children about the reality of God, of the place you walked in and found the Lord and the great heritage and treasures. Verse 5, don't hide them. Tell your children, for he established your testimony and appointed his law amongst his people, which he commanded our fathers, they should not make, that, that they should make them known to their children. Pass on the Bible verses. Pass on the instruction of biblical instruction you have and training you've received. Verse 6. That generation to come so that the generation to come might have a relationship with God. That they might come um, to come and they might know them. The children who would be born that they may arise and declare them to their children. It passes on from one generation to the next. I was reading Proverbs 13, 22 yesterday. And it says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Proverbs 13, 22. What does this mean? Well, you've blessed your children by teaching them the word of God. Now leave an inheritance to your children's children, which are your grandchildren, by raising up godly parents. The greatest gift my grandchildren will have will not be their academics or the money inheritance. It will be the character in the lives of my sons and daughters. That will be the greatest blessing I can leave my grandchildren. And then the wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. God will deliver the goods in his season and time. As we were reading Psalm 78, we're on verse 6. The Bible says that the way that we proceed in this manner of talking to our children so that they might know the generation to come. What for? Verse 7. So that they place their strength and confidence in God. Don't let your kids hope that the stock market will go good. Don't let your kids hope that their business enterprise will go good. Don't let your children place their confidence on the natural when they have a supernatural creator that they could place their confidence in and who never loses, is never defeated, never diminishes, so that our children may set their hope in God and not forget his works but keep his commandments, that they stay the course, verse 8, and not be like their grandparents that were stubborn and rebellious, that did not set their heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. What, what a curse it is for any people to not be faithful to God because you're stubborn and rebellious. How awful it is for children of parents who become stubborn and rebellious and who did not set their heart aright to be faithful to God. As we're reading these verses, you see the wealth of instruction in the word of God. You see Psalm 112, the Bible says that the man who stays this course, who fears the Lord, verse 1, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Why? The man who delights not in economic and the state of marketplace business, but whose delight is in the commandments of the Lord. 
Why? Verse 2, because his descendants will be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. When you have a godly man at the house, a virtuous woman, you will have mighty children. It's not the, the Ivy League schools that produce these champions. It's those who fear God, who seek his wisdom. God is so full of provision for us. The next verse says, verse 3, riches and wealth will be in that house. The riches and wealth comes from a man who fears God, who delights in the commandments of the Lord, who has children that follow his example. The righteousness in that house will endure forever. You don't have to chase riches. You don't have to chase trends. You don't have to chase the latest economic opportunity. You have to seek first the kingdom of God. And all things shall be added unto you, my Bible says. When I was worried as a young man thinking what I would do on how to lead this family in the way it should go and provide for it, the Lord took me to Genesis chapter 18, verse 18. I read the words, Abraham shall be a great and mighty nation. Surely Abraham shall be a great and mighty nation. And he, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through him. How does a man become great and mighty and a blessing to everyone around him? Verse 19 tells us, because he will command his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord. God has given us the secrets to prosperity, to great success, to great peace, to no shame, to no loss. When I saw that my obligation was to teach and command my children, teach and command my children to walk in the ways of the Lord, that gave me the assurance of God's blessing and prosperity over our house. God is faithful to set us apart in his purposes. I want to make sure that you know the Bible is full of opportunities for us to choose the Lord, for us to choose God, for us to do what Mary and Joseph did in Luke 2.22. After Jesus was born, they headed over to the temple. According to the ceremonies of the law of the scriptures, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Luke 2.22. They didn't do that when I was a child. And thus came a lot of pain and suffering until I walked into the house of the Lord as a young adolescent and started listening what I should have listened to from the day I was born that I could grow up in the wisdom and the fear of God so here Mary and Joseph takes their child Jesus to the temple to present him like the parents have done this morning they have done the right thing they have walked in such a way that they're being able to open the heavens over the life of their children this, these young men um, Luke 2.49, Jesus, after he was presented to the Lord, the Bible says in his childhood, he was in the temple. And his parents were seeking for him for three days. When they finally found Jesus, some people say he was around 10, 11, or 12 years old. They asked him, why were you not with us in our company and his response was, why were you looking for me anywhere else? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? 
This is a young man telling his parents, I need to be looking for God. That's a great day in that house. And I want to tell you that when they ask your children why they're so strong, 1 Samuel 17, 58, well, they, their response will be, the, the king asked David, whose son are you, young man? He had just killed, uh, verse 57 says, he still had Goliath's head. When Saul came to him, David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine. Abner's took him and brought him before Saul, and he still had Goliath's head in his hand. Imagine a young David with the head of Goliath as his trophy saying, I am a giant slayer. I will fight the battles of the Lord. And that provokes a question. The question of seeing a champion who slays dragons and giants in verse 58 is, who are your parents? Who is your dad that you are championing life at that level? Saul said to him, whose son are you? And David says, I'll introduce you to my father. My father is Jesse, the Bethlehemite, the one who trained me up to shepherd sheep and to fight the lion and the bear. And so we are prone to see champions in this house for a long time. Not because we have a lot of money, not because we have great academics, we can have both, but the greatest thing we have is that we faithfully serve the Lord our God. We are raising up children that fear God in this house. The Bible has the book of Proverbs that's replete with all manner of instruction for how parents should bless their children, teaching them the fear of God, teaching them how to walk in a godly mindset. I'm going to pull this up now because it's important for us to hear what the book of Proverbs says. Proverbs 20, 20. This was the favorite verse in our youth group as we grew up raising up champions for the Lord. That whoever curses his father and his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. We call this 2020 vision. Proverbs 2020. If you curse your father, and you curse your mother, and you say, in what need do I have to honor you? All that's going to happen is that your lamp will be turned out, put out in deep darkness. You don't want to drive a car 80 miles an hour without headlights at midnight. This world requires that we would see clearly the way we should go. At the young age of 16, the Lord told me in Ephesians 6.1, um, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. We're not to curse our parents. We're to obey our parents. We're not to discuss and argue with our parents. We're to honor our parents. Verse 2 says, for this is a commandment with two promises. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. God promises you in verse 3 that everything will go well with you that it would be well with you and you might live a long life upon the earth. The opposite, everything is going to go wrong and your life will be short-lived. A lot of parents don't read verse 4 though where it just says, Parents, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training, the encouragement, the admonition of the Lord. There's a way to be 
right in the manner that you parent and rear your children. A lot of people try to do this, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, without the rod of discipline. Parents that are here this morning, I want to tell you that when your child was born, foolishness is entangled in the heart of your children, but the rod of correction will separate foolishness from his life. The rod of correction is discipline. If you don't discipline your children, you will live a nightmare. Bible says in Proverbs 23, 13, that do not withhold discipline from your child because if you punish him with the rod of correction, he will not die. Verse 14, you will actually save his soul from death. With the rod of correction, you will deliver his emotions from heading in a manner of destruction. Proverbs 29, 15, it's this rod of correction that imparts wisdom. If you discipline your child, you are actually giving him wisdom, the rod and the rebuke. You know my sons are wise, my daughter is wise, because we have unceasingly presented to them the board of education to the seat of understanding. What's that mean? They have had their portion of discipline. They have received wisdom by the rod of correction. A child left to himself brings shame to his mother. You cannot have wisdom and prosperity and saving the, their soul, their emotions without discipline. The Bible says that this rod of correction imparts wisdom to the child. Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares the rod hates his son. He who decides, we're not going to do it that way. He who decides not to use the rod of correction is actually contrary to the best interest of the child. But he who loves his children will discipline them, not next week, not when they get to grandmothers, not when they come back, promptly, right there and right then. Proverbs 29, 17 says, if you discipline your child, they will give you peace. They will give you rest. Yes, he will, give, he will become a delight to your soul. There's nothing more refreshing than having used discipline and correction and instruction in the time of their youth. That way you get to rest when they grow older. Proverbs 30, verse 11, there are those who curse their father and mother and do not bless them. There are children who have decided to be on the wrong side of God's blessing by not honoring their parents. Hebrews 12.8 says, if you don't discipline your children, they become illegitimate. What's that mean? They will have no direction in their life. The word nathos is a Greek word. If you are without chastening, which everyone in the house of God is a partaker, then you become illegitimate and not sons. The word illegitimate is a bastard, like if he didn't have parents, because the father who loves his children will discipline them. I want to give God all the glory for what he's given us in this house, and we have no doubt the generations to come to walk in the example that we have left them. Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, the heart of the father that attends to his child, 
He's God in heaven will make sure that fathers are in the lives of their children and the children are about the concerns, not of their peers, of the fashion, of the trends, but of their parents. Because if this does not happen, the earth will see great chaos and confusion. God wants to knit the heart of a father with his son, the parents with their children, so that they could grow up being a prosperous existence. Matthew 7, 11, the Bible says, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more the father that is in heaven give to those who ask him the Holy Spirit. And God wants your children to be filled with the spirit of God and not the spirit of this age. Because the spirit of this age is a spirit of disobedience, rebellion, selfishness. God wants our children to be champions and to walk in the ways of the Lord. Hebrews 12.10, the Bible says that our earthly fathers did the best they could while they were upon the earth to discipline us as they seem best. But our God in heaven will chasten us and discipline us for our profit that we might partake of those things that are holy. And there's no greater gift for a child than to see his parents fear the Lord, see his parents walk in instruction. If you ask me why God set the wife in the home is that she could portray the humility and the obedience and the submission to her husband. If a child cannot witness a mom that makes deference and yields to her husband in leadership, that house will be a house divided full of confusion and chaos. And the greatest gift in our house is a godly mom, a godly wife that was able to portray the discipline and the character of Christ in Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. Put yourself in his posture. The first thing it says, verse 6, that although he was God, he did not grab onto it Although you are an adult, although you are a human, you don't grab onto that as equality because God has an order. And what did Jesus do in his order? Verse 7, he took the form of a servant. He made himself of no reputation, became a servant in the likeness of men. In his humility, the Bible was able to lift him up and give him a name above every name. And in the character of submission and obedience, and in that structure in the home, our children are able to honor the authorities in their life and walk in submission and not rebellion, not arrogance, not anarchy. Let's read that next verse, verse 7, Philippians 2, 7. But made himself of no reputation. Verse 8, he humbled himself, found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient. His obedience was to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Verse 9. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him a name above every name. And verse 10, that at his name, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and those under the earth. Verse 11, and every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord for the glory of God the Father. If you walk in this instruction, if you walk in this design, if you walk in this understanding, God is going to bless your home like very few homes are blessed. Father, thank you for this day that you have made.
where we've been able to come to the house of God, to listen to the man of God, speak the word of God, that we might apply this truth to our lives and to our hearts and to our children, that they would serve as a light unto our path, that they would be a good seed planted in due season that will reap a harvest of glory in the days to come. I pray that you give patience to mom and dad. I pray, Father God, that these young families would raise up fearing the Lord, obeying his word, and following after the admonition of the things that you have placed in the word of God. I pray that the boys and girls would raise up to champion this generation, remove fear, remove anxiety, remove depression, remove all spirit of ungodliness and lewdness and pornography over these homes, Lord. Allow them to see your presence and your grace. Allow them to see your wisdom and your truth. Allow them to experience your mercy and your goodness so they would not depart when they grow old. We glorify you and we thank you for the wealth in this house. In Jesus' name we pray and all the people say amen, amen, and amen. We'll be together on Wednesday night for midweek Bible study. Make sure you don't miss it. There's provision in the house of the Lord, and you can rejoice and be glad. There's families that are loving God and loving church, loving the word of God, and moving forward in that regard. God bless you.